Hi guys, this is Erica Weston with Fox Sports Midwest, and you're listening to my favorite St. Louis Blues hockey podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. Hi there, everyone. I'm Haley Wickenheiser, and this is Let's Go Blues Radio, past to the future. I need one win. What are you going to do to get me that? Selfish hockey. That's right. Selfish hockey. Break it down. Skate the puck. Don't pass it. Headman's still going to be there when you catch up, boy. Take it coast to coast. Shots from poor angles are still shots. Fucking a half, two minute shifts, three minutes even. Cruise the blue line to catch your breath. Bad bounce, that's a good breakaway. Gotta get the bounces, boys. That's correct. This is Let's Go Blues Radio, Past to the Future. This is Season 8, Episode 73, Franchise Episode All-Time, number 259. Right off the bat, I want to give a big thank you to Julio Cesar in Brazil. Make sure you check out his YouTube channel. He's the one that uh, does the music here that you're hearing in the background. Unbelievably good song. Uh, Good take on a classic song. Uh, You can find the link to his YouTube page, on our show page over at letsgoblues.com slash radio, as well as the YouTube video that accompanies this show. So uh, the guests that we have on for the past portion, you can find uh, that portion actually on YouTube and Facebook as well. And uh, you can find a link to Julio's work over on, uh, if you click the link on the interview of the past guest of well of any of these uh, these shows these past the future shows. Uh, quick announcement I want to get to before we get into the rest of the show: Stanley Ponder Cup, the Memorial Tournament, November twenty first at Midwest Sport Hockey. That's right, folks. It's back. Player signups have begun. We had a big first week. We've already got all of our goalies filled, as including one that's on the wait list, and uh, I believe twelve skaters out of the forty. So if you are interested in playing, go on over to dropinstl.com, click the menu option on the right, or if you're on your phone, you have to click the little three lines. Uh, 2020 SPCMT, Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament, and then click the donate button toward the bottom. Also make sure you fill out the player questionnaire at the bottom of each page. Uh, there's, I mean, you can find a link uh, at the bottom of each page uh, for the player questionnaire. Um and, uh, yeah, again, if you're not a player, make sure you circle that date, November 21st, on your calendar. Um, it's uh, always a good time. We're going to have raffles. We're going to have 50-50 draw. We're going to have some bad hockey for you. Lots of beer, all the beer you can drink. And, of course, uh, food. We have pizza. And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be more, but I can't think of anything else. But right now, yes, that's uh, that's the plan. So November 21st, Midwest Sport Hockey in Queenie Park, Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament. Don't want to miss that. Well, I guess uh, real quick, I, I am actually drinking a beer this episode, so I feel like I should give it a mention. Uh, so our beer of the episode is from Kansas City, Missouri, friends over there across the state, uh, Boulevard Brewing Company, who I've uh, had on this show a couple times. I've, I love their beer. Uh, this is uh, Zahn Belgian-style Whit beer, and it's, uh, it's a great summer beer. Yeah, you just look at it. The logo is a, a sun with like a, a blue sky behind it. And it's just, uh, it's made for summer. It is a great uh, Belgian-style beer. 
Uh, it says it's ale with cor- coriander and orange peel. Uh, very good. Very tasty stuff. Uh, definitely recommend it, uh, especially anyone who's ever had Boulevard knows that they do not make a bad beer. So uh, check that out if you want Boulevard Zahn, Belgian-style wit beer. And again, before we get into the bulk of the show here, a uh, couple things to touch on about the NHL. And so I'm sure we'll be having a show here pretty soon, a live show where Kurt, Bill, and I will break this down a little bit more. But uh, announcement coming soon, apparently, and something that was brought up on Monday, July 6th. The NHL and the NHL Players Association announced that they've reached a tentative agreement on a collective bargaining agreement extension through 2025-2026. As part of the agreement, some key return to play dates have been established. Training camps will formally open to launch uh, Phase 3 on July 13th. Teams will travel to the uh, unofficially announced hub cities, which uh, it's basically the worst-kept secret. It's going to be Edmonton and Toronto on uh, July 26th. Uh, So teams will travel to their hub cities on July 26th. The qualifying round of the 2014 play-in tournament will commence on August 1st. Um, So that's pretty big news. Uh, It's not official yet. It's tentatively agreed upon. But the fact that the NHL uh, has been proactive in making a collective bargaining agreement uh, extension is huge. And obviously they don't want to play until this extension is reached, but it seems like uh, you know, from as opposed to what we've seen in the past with lockouts, that both sides are very willing to work and get something done ahead of time and uh, not wait till the final hour. So that is uh, only positive, uh, only only positives you can take from that. And uh, I love it. I'm very happy to see the NHL and the PA working so closely together to get this done. Um, it's only going to be good publicity for them, and obviously as fans. We want to see hockey. We don't want to see lockouts. Uh, it's just it's such an ugly thing. It's a, it's a black mark every year that happens. So uh, good on the NHL for doing that. On the heels of that, well, actually, I guess shortly before that, uh, the Blues uh, did shut down their camp because players were testing positive for COVID-19. Um, and so a lot of people have been saying, just cancel the season. You know, we're never going to... We're never going to be free of it. It's going to keep happening. Um, And, yeah, I see everyone's point with that. But I'm going to be honest, and maybe this sounds a little insane, but I feel like this has kind of been part of the plan for Phase 2. Not to say that the NHL is like, everybody, go get COVID right now before we get into Phase 3. But I think it's we're going to be start bringing people back. There's going to be informal skates. There's going to be guys grouped together that haven't seen each other in a while. Uh, guys coming from all parts of the world. Uh, they're going to be skating together. I think this was bound to happen. We saw it. Uh, I know uh, Tampa, I think, was the first team that started shutting down their facilities because of COVID uh, positive tests. But I feel like this was the NHL. They knew this was going to happen. And so it was, let's have this phase two where kind of it gets filtered a little bit through these athletes and nobody wants anybody to get it. But it's like if it's going to happen, let's make sure it happens before we have everyone quarantined together. So I think this is partially, and as morbid as it sounds, I, I feel like this is actually kind of part of the plan. So 
For those of you who are looking at this as a giant black mark on the NHL coming back and, and continuing play, and, and again with uh, the uh, the commencement of the 24-team play-in tournament starting on August 1st, if you think this is a step back, it probably might be. Very good chance it is, but part of me thinks this this was orchestrated. This was the NHL coming together and saying, yeah, it's going to happen, so let's let it happen before everybody is locked in uh, hotel rooms and uh, ice rinks together. Um, and uh, that way maybe it'll filter through where it needs to filter, and then by the time everybody's together, uh, we're not going to see any issues. We're not going to see any spikes of it. Um, so, again, maybe I'm crazy, but that is just my take on it. So, yes, Blue's camp is currently shut down, but uh, I do think we will be seeing it uh, open up in the next week. Well, let's uh, let's get into it, folks. Uh, the guests on today's show. First one is a uh, was a beloved Blues defenseman in the short time he was here. Mike Weaver joins the show, and uh, we talk about his career here as well as uh, where he uh, stopped after playing in the NHL. An undrafted defenseman, which is always extremely impressive to me. That, uh, first of all, any player to make it undrafted uh, into the NHL is impressive. But I don't know for me, a defenseman. Uh, that's that's really hard to do. So uh, Mike Weaver joins the show, and then we also have our friend Greg Boyson of the Hockey Riders coming back, and we are going to talk about Tanner Kaspik, a Blues draft pick, uh, forward center for uh, well for past seasons the San Jose or I'm sorry the San Antonio Rampage, uh, the upcoming season for the Springfield AHL team. And I remember Greg is a credentialed writer for the AHL Chicago Wolves and Rockford Ice Hogs, so he's seen plenty of Tanner in his day covering the game. So let's get to it, folks. Here is the past and future segments of today's show. And we are back with uh, Let's Go Blues Past to the Future, and we are in the past segment of today's show. And today I'm joined by a very recent St. Louis Blue and a recent NHL player. Uh, Played two years with the St. Louis Blues, but had a very long uh, professional career. Mike Weaver joins the show. Uh, Mike, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's uh, I, lo- I love doing these things, especially with what's going on in this world right now. A lot of uh, big things is uh, the podcast. And, and really, I love it that the NHL organizations are going back and, and uh, tapping into the alumni. Yes. No, and that's what I wanted to do with this. I, I thought, you know... With this break right now that, that we're seeing in the NHL and no professional sports, it's a good time to get in touch with the alumni, see what they've been up to, and uh, talk about their careers. And uh, luckily, I've been gracious enough to have you and, and uh, maybe one of your past teammates, Carlo Koliakovo, and then other Blues greats from the past as well. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun having guys like you on and, and uh, learning about your lives outside of hockey. Yeah, so. Yeah, so you had Coco on there, huh? Oh, yeah. He was one of the first guys I reached out to, and he responded right away. was like, yes, I'd love to come on. He was like you. He's very yeah. enthusiastic about coming on the podcast. No, I love it. I, I know when when I was younger, a lot of um, – when I was at the rings, a lot of NHL uh, – you would see NHL players out there, and there was probably about 95% of them were awesome. Kind of came right up to you and – and uh, said hi, and they took the extra bit, little bit of time to sign your autographs. And then you got the other guys that kind of, kind of stayed away. And I'm like, that's our job. Like you go yeah. and 
you put yourself uh, obviously you're you're making some money, but but you're playing a job that you the position that you love, and um, it's one thing you got to give it back to the community, the hockey community. Yeah, no, and that's uh, something that's always that always kind of brought me into hockey. We had Jeff Brown on last week, and uh, I told the story about how he kind of was the one that got me into hockey as a kid. I was a big Cardinals fan, just like everyone else in St. Louis, and uh, I met him at a. And this is going to date myself here. Met him at a venture, and he actually said, "Hey, I'm going to leave two tickets in your name for you and your dad to come to the game tomorrow night," and that's what he did. And and I've been hooked ever since. Brett Hall scored a hat trick. And uh, the uh, the Canadians lost the game, and and it was just something I'll never forget. And so it's just the the graciousness, the the love of the game that hockey players have. It's uh, it's it's really cool to to see that it's not just for people like me who play adult league. It's it's through the NHL players as well. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's a great game we play. Yep. So uh, I wanted to talk to you uh, kind of early on in your career. Now, those may not realize that uh, you were not – you didn't go at least maybe what for Canadian kids. You didn't go the, uh, the the most basic way to get to the NHL. You did not play juniors. You went to college. You came to the States, played uh, for the Michigan State Spartans, um, and uh, you had two first all-star team nods, two best defensive defenseman awards, which as pretty impressive uh from 99 1996 to 2000 um what was the college route like for you well i'm gonna say me being uh five nine uh especially back then in 2000 when i turned pro the odds of me making it to the nhl were pretty slim uh, even now the odds there's only 800 guys in the nhl uh, a lot of uh Parents live with, through their children, and they, they think everybody's going to make it to the NHL, but there's only a select few that, that actually make it. So, But even back then, um, obviously every kid's goal growing, growing up is to make it to the NHL, but, I, but my parents really instilled in me that education is very important. So when I was uh, playing juniors, uh, Mike York, an ex-NHLer, uh, when I was playing juniors, he was on my team, and he was getting a lot of attention from um, a lot of the universities, and one of them was Michigan State. So, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty awesome. Um, he ended up going to Michigan State. I ended up following uh, there the following year, and uh, I narrowed it down to two schools: Miami, Ohio, and Michigan State. Uh, it was pretty cool to have a bunch of schools interested in you, but I wanted to narrow it down. And I chose Michigan State because it was a a four and a half hour drive for my parents. Uh, Miami of Ohio was a little bit further. And I thought uh, my dad uh, and my my mom ended up obviously behind every pro player or college player, there was that amazing parent that uh, drives you to the rink every day and and drives you to workouts. So it was something that... Uh, I wanted to be closer to them, but also on top of that, I looked into Michigan State, their uh, education uh, part of it, and uh, they had a really good school. Um, you know, down the road, Michigan Wolverines. Uh, it's funny, you know. Obviously, their uh, their education is, I guess, a little bit better, but they used to come down to our school to party. <laughs> no, so, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but it was the four years. I'm telling you, the the four years was phenomenal. Um, being able to play in a small little uh, uh, hockey rink like uh, Mon Ice Arena, fans 
students in there. The college experience is just amazing. Four years, fully, fully uh, paid uh, scholarship. Uh, I went as a true freshman, which means I was uh, what, 17, 17 years old. A lot of kids now, if they're going over to uh, university, they, they want them to wait till they're 20. So I was able to go at, at a true freshman. But it, the one thing is going to the university route. First of all, you're getting your education, which is very important. You're getting your, uh, you're, you're, you're going to be stronger. The weight program is just amazing. Uh, you, you're going to um, be smarter on the ice because they got some amazing coaches there. Uh, and you're going to be older. You're going to be older when you, by the time you get out of there. So uh, at some point, whether you play one game in the NHL or 600 games like myself, you're going to have to follow back on education. And a lot of people that go the OHL route think it's a fast, quick pace uh, to make it to the NHL. But like I said, the odds of making it are pretty slim. Once you sign that NHL contract, your your scholarship package for the OHL is is void. So it's something that it makes more sense if you're able to get a scholarship university routes. It was amazing. I remember Ron Mason and um, I remember it was Dave McAuliffe or uh, uh, Tom Newton, but uh, Ron Mason was the head coach. He recently passed away. Uh, he ended up coming into my room and it's still what he said to me was still stayed uh, with me today. He holds up his fingers. He's like, Mike, he's just like, you got to look at life right now uh, as a triangle. You got your, you got your social life in your, in your family on one side, you got your health, fitness, um, hockey uh, here. And then you got the bottom, you got your education and you got to keep every single um, side of the triangle uh, equal. So if you start partying too much, your social life, right, that, that, that side's going to get a little bit long. And it's all about balance in life, right? You're able to do everything you, uh, you, you can, but it's all too much of one thing is just too much. So it's, I use that to, till, uh, to this day to kind of really reevaluate my, uh, my balance. Probably every week I do that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I could have used that advice when I was in college because definitely the party life took, uh, took control a little more than it probably should have. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, you, uh, you talked about it being, uh, you were, uh, uh, undrafted in the NHL and what was that process like? So obviously you, uh, you're a senior with Michigan State. Um, did you have, it was the Thrashers that signed you, but did you have scouts from all teams coming to see you or see players that were maybe playing with you and, uh, you kind of just, turn their heads a little bit or, or how, what was that process like for you? Well, I kind of did this through my whole entire career. Me being five, nine, uh, a lot of people looked on the stat sheet and they're just like, Oh, he's five, nine. Uh, and it, it's something that I, that's what I did. I proved myself every single level, every single level, everybody thought that was it for him. And I would just get Excel, Excel, Excel. And it's something that I, I, I worked really hard at it. I was very stubborn. I was always going in, evolving my game. And it's something that uh, I take a lot of pride in. And um, I remember when it was my, I went to my both draft years and I, then my last draft year for the NHL, I went to, I think it was in Buffalo. 
and my dad was there. We ended up watching at that time, the whole, every single round was in the first day. So the, I waited to the very last guy, last couple guys. And my dad's like, let's get going. So we started walking up the stairs and just as the last guy was going to be called, I ended up saying, wait, wait, I want to hear this. And he ended up announcing that it was, well, somebody else, it wasn't me. And I remember looking at my dad, my dad just said, he's just like, just find another way. And it was something that's stood right there. And, you know, like it, it really set myself up for my university career and uh, getting into the NHL. It was something that was pretty uh, memorable. And it was, and it was through my whole entire career, looking back at it from youth hockey, there was, there was a lot of times I would come out of the dressing room and Looking back at it now, I, I, I basically owned it. <laughs> I owned the game. But I would come out and people would be like, oh, Weaver, you played a great game. You played a great game. And I'm like, well, I could have played better. And I really, truly thought that I could play better. And that kind of hurt me a little bit too because I always looked at myself as not good enough. But mm-hmm. it, it drove me to to evaluate my game to another level. And it's something that my whole entire career, I, I rarely, I rarely shed a tear. Even when I got slap shots in the mouth, um, scars, high sticks, getting hit into the boards. Um, so a lot of times that it never cried in. And um, uh, it would have been, I was inducted to the Brampton Sports Hall of Fame um, about a year and a half ago. And I was sitting up on the stage and there was other, with the three other inductees. And they ended up playing a video on, on, on the screen, kind of a, a little recap of my career. And it was one of the first times I, I ended up crying. I ended up shedding a tear. And it, it was, at that point, I just, it kind of made me evaluate, like basically say to myself, yeah, I was good enough. And I, I was able to obtain something that few people are able to do that. And I wasn't, I always looked at as me, I didn't care what anybody else was doing. I wasn't a sheep following everybody else. I was my individual person that really looked at improving my game. I remember when I was with the Florida Panthers, um, with Brian, well, who was it? It wasn't Brian Allen. It was some, somebody else ended up pulling me into a hotel room as we got off the plane, got it, got into the hotel and he's just like, we've get in here. And I ended up being in there and he's just like, you got to stop. You got to stop going and making this look bad. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you just got to stop making this look bad. He's just like, you're watching too much video. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I, I'm trying to go and I'm trying to go and evolve my game. I'm trying to go. So I would always look at when I was looking at video, everybody watches the puck. I would always look at if I'm away from the puck, I never looked at the puck. If I was to figure out what the other four guys were doing, I was able to basically tell the future. And if I was to find out where, what those guys options were, it it made my job a lot easier because from then, I'm able to be proactive and be here and there at the same time by 
I, I, I came up with a lot of cool different things uh, along the way, but it, it allowed me to be um, efficient on the ice. So it's something that you can't, you could look at what these veterans are doing and see how they handle themselves. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you and, and try and evolve, evolve your game and never feel comfortable. Yeah. No, and I think this is going to definitely bleed into our uh, post NHL discussion that we'll have about you, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so I, uh, you, you played in Atlanta, which is uh, mm-hmm. now a defunct city, obviously. What was it oh, like playing yeah. in Atlanta? How about this? A lot of the, the teams growing up don't exist anymore. It's, Isn't it's that kinda, weird? <laughs> it's almost hating me. Like, like it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Like I got to say about 70% of the teams I played for don't exist. I'm glad the GMs Ooh. that were interested in me uh, didn't find that out because they're like, Oh my God, if we get Mike on here, we're going to go and defunct. <laughs> get defunct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, yeah, it was it was it was pretty cool. Um, so I was undrafted. I ended up. Uh, they were interested. Uh, like Don Waddell, the GM, he was very into college players. It was something that he was ahead of the curve, and he ended. He was getting. Um, he ended up signing Brian Adams the year before to Atlanta, and he was really inter- he, It was only one team. So Don Waddell ended up choosing me out of, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So like I had one option of playing and it was that. So I went to Atlanta Thrasher's training camp and I was sitting there and Don ended up pulling all the um, rookies into a room. And he's just like, guys, you guys are going to go down. You're going to go down to the minors. You're going to stay there all year. And you're going to learn how to be a professional. You're going to look, you're going to watch all the veterans. You're going to watch how they handle themselves, how they prepare for the game. And you're going to have an amazing year. And then next year you get called up. So it was pretty cool. We went down to Orlando Solar Bears was the the farm team of them. And it was, we ended up having a place. It was like Melrose Place. It was pretty cool. Like all the places right around the, the pool. But it, it gave us a chance to watch the veterans, see how they handle themselves. And then from there, I, we ended up winning the, um, um, the Calder Cup, uh, the internet, the Turner Cup. So Turner Cup, it was yeah. the, the Orlando Solar Bears. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> uh, well, the East Coast team, the International Hockey League doesn't exist anymore. Yep. But it's, it's something that, that, that really stuck with me, uh, how these veterans handled themselves. And the first 10 games, I never got a chance to play. And Jim Hughes was the assistant coach. Pete Horchuk was the head coach. And after we won it, Jim Hughes pulls me aside. He's just like, Mike, we were going to send you down, but I just wanted to get you your one shots in there. And once we put you in, we couldn't take you out. You were mm-hmm. phenomenal out there. And it's it's all about that, that preparation meets opportunity, right? Sure, you're going to feel a little uh, – butterflies in your stomach but that 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 butterflies when you're prepared is good right the butterflies when you're not prepared that's a bad thing so it's something that i would always i I made sure that i was always 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 prepared so uh something you may not have been prepared for was uh when you signed with pittsburgh there in uh 
uh, was that um, 2007, 2008, after you played with the Kings, uh, you're picked off waivers after signing there. So you sign with the team, think you're, you're good to go with them. Then you get picked off waivers by Vancouver. How frustrating was that for somebody like you? Well, it, it was pretty funny when you think about it. I'll, I'll kind of tell you the whole story. So we ended up, I ended up, it was between uh, Vancouver and Pittsburgh and it was either a four hour flight or a four hour drive from uh, Michigan. So I ended up, uh, my, my wife uh, uh, at the time was pregnant um, and we ended up going to Pittsburgh. So I ended up driving up. I had a trailer had it all set up. I had, I killed that camp. I was, I was one of the best guys on the ice. I, 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 I even Sid was just like, we've, you made this team for sure. So wow. I remember, I remember pay, playing monkey in the middle with Sid and Colby, Colby Armstrong. And it was at the end of the practice and I ended up coming in and uh, somebody said, Hey, we've, uh, Tarion wants to speak with you. So I'm like, awesome. I'm like, you know, Sid, 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 the kids telling me I made the team. I'm like, hell yeah. So <laughs> I ended up getting dressed quick. I uh, went into the room. So him and Ray Cheryl was in the room and uh, Tarion was just like, Mike, I don't have a good accent, French accent. So, uh, Mike, <laughs> uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna put you on waivers. Uh, we're gonna thank you so much. You had a great camp, but uh, from what I'm understanding, he wanted to keep his uh, Nazardine, uh, who was uh, a, a guy that's he's been been with Tarion for a couple of years. So I could see that trying to keep uh, a guy along that's loyal to him. So. I'm like, all right, fine. Thank you so much. And that's how you got to do it. The hockey world's a small world. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, I get outside. uh, I get a call from my agent. He said that Ray Sherrill said that he wanted, he wanted to keep me, but he gave Terry in the option. So I ended up going on waiver. So I ended up driving back to uh, Michigan on the way I was picked up uh, on waivers from Vancouver. So I had to pack and then fly out and it's, I ended up some of my agents said, you might want to go and take your skates out of your, your bag and then put it in your, your carry on. I'm like, all right, sure. Sure enough. My bag was lost. I didn't have (laughs) my stick too. So it's funny. The first thing of practice there, I I was wearing it being a Canadian city, all the media there. I, I'm there with equipment that is not even mine. I can't even skate. <laughs> stick, I don't even know what the height of my stick is. So, but it's funny, after that year, listen to this. Taryn gets fired a uh, month into the season. Nazardine gets sent down. Pittsburgh wins the cup. Yep. <laughs> so, so then fast forward, I'm in Montreal. Uh, so I, I get traded to Montreal. And um, what was it? I got traded to Montreal. First call, the first call was uh, Bergevin saying, welcome to the, the team. I've been wanting to get you for the last couple of years, which is pretty cool to, to hear. And the mm-hmm. second one is, uh, is uh, Tarion. And I'm like, oh, last time we were talking, <laughs> you were putting me on waivers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. It's pretty cool. The hockey world's a small world and and you can't yeah, you can't be cocky. You just got you just got to play your play your game and play you could could only control what you can control which is yourself. You can't control what anybody else's decision, what anybody else's uh, if they're working hard, if they're not, if they're on their game, if they're not, you can only tro- control what you're able to control. Uh, yeah, and that's got I, I I was thinking that as I asked that question, I'm like, wait a minute, Pittsburgh won the cup that year too. That oh, had to be really okay. frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, like you said, it's it's part of the life, part of the hockey culture. You just got to move on. And, and, um, and so you did. And uh, after playing in Vancouver, you signed with the Blues in 2008, 2009. Um, that was uh, – you, to me at least, you, you quickly became a fan favorite because uh, you – something that, that people here love is the third, fourth liners, the, the defense, defensive defensemen uh, because of the whole blue-collar idea of, you know, going out, doing your job, getting the work done. Maybe you're not scoring the big goal, but you're – you're, you know, chipping in offensively when you can, but it's more that you're, you know, going into the corners, winning puck battles, diving in front of shots, which definitely relates more to you than anybody else. Um, but what for you, what was it like playing in St. Louis? Was uh, What was your favorite part about uh, playing here? Well, that's ex- you just said it perfectly. That right when I came, the first couple games, I got the feeling right away that they love players like me. Like as far as the guy that would go and eat pucks for a living. Mm-hmm. And between the only two teams I really felt that was Montreal and St. Louis. Those are the only two teams that I really felt that I was very valuable to the organization. But yeah, it was it was a I love St. Louis. And a lot of guys retire there too. But it's it's just something that is it was a very special place. Um that uh, Brad Shaw, what a brilliant coach. Um, mm-hmm. He's, he's, I talk to him all the time, still to this day, a very smart man. He, he really, really took control of that penalty killing. I loved, that was my favorite penalty killing and blocking shots and the first pass out of the zone. He did, I, I think the, was it, I think it was that year that we had the number one or two. Uh, penalty killing in the league. It was that one or the second year, but we were up the top, top six, if not lower. It would have been. Mm-hmm. I think it, one of them was one or two uh, of, of the of the league. And the second year was when really stats really came out big, uh, tracking the stats. And because there wasn't really a stat, the only stat for me was block block shots, and that really didn't really show if you were a really good player or not. Jumping in front of puck is, doesn't really show that. So they ended up doing the stats and, and figuring out who you're playing against and how many minutes on the ice per goal scored. I, I was the top five in the NHL. Yeah. It was, it was pretty amazing. I, I was just like, I wish the stat was here before. because yeah. the Well, because the – the goal scorers, they get paid for scoring goals. And, and mm-hmm. same with the playmakers. The guys like myself, we didn't really get paid a whole lot to do what we did. We, did, we just did it to play in the NHL, but we didn't really get, um, you know, thank, thank for that. You know, obviously the fans, the fans did. And 
and you know that's what I love. But it, it did. I loved when the stats started coming out because a lot of guys, a lot of guys in the players' association didn't want the stats to come out because I'm going to say a lot of them were scared to be uh, found out that why are you getting paid so much? <laughs> yeah, that's so. true. Oh, it was uh, it. It, that was definitely something because, you know, people paid attention to the Corsi stats and the, um, the USAT stats and all that. And, and uh, it, it I think that was when the NHL really kind of started saying, OK, these are legitimate stats. We're going to start putting them out there for people to see. And like you said, uh, people like you, uh, you know, Bryce Salvador comes to mind. Another guy that uh, that always had fantastic stats. Uh, Patrick Berglund. One of your teammates always had great stats. So um, that's always great to see. But you mentioned block shots. Now, your first year, uh, you were fourth on the team with 81 block shots and just 58 games played. But you also had other big shot blockers on the team. Jay McKee, Barrett Jackman, Roman Polak. They were always up there. Um, But in 2009-2010, you led the team in 77 games played with 127 block shots. And then we could also get into... Uh, your Panthers days, you led the Panthers twice uh, in, in uh, block shots. You finished third on Florida in a year that you were traded midseason and you still finished third on the team. Um, so, I mean, I have to ask, like I, I back when I was playing, you know, in uh, in high school and, and a little bit more competitively, that was kind of my thing, too, is I would block shots. I'd walk away with bruises all over my body. Was it the same for you or was it all, did you kind of have it mastered to where it was, all right, I'm going to take this one in the shin guard. I'm going to take this one in the chest pad. So that way I'm not bruising up my body and uh, regretting this tomorrow morning. Well, I'm going to say if I woke up and I wasn't sore, I didn't play hard enough the the game before because I, I used to love it. That's one of the things I miss all the bruises, all the, um, just the guys after your amazing block shot coming back to the bench and just saying great job. Um, it, I was with, I got two slap shots to the mouth. I, I could <laughs> stick my tongue out, tongue out through there. Um, I remember my first one, it was the exact same spot. Pretty crazy. My first one, I ended up getting it here. Um, uh, one of my teeth, I just spit it out. They ended up throwing it back in and, um, bridging it up but the second one I was in LA and I was in front I got cross-checked from behind and I went right into that shot uh and I ended up going down spitting all my teeth out I I went to I went back to the bench I was I went in they they my trainer said oh take your equipment off I'm like, no, I'm not going back out there. He says, take your equipment off. I'm like, no, go and stitch me up. I'm going back out there. He's like, okay, I only let you out there if you get an x-ray. So I'm like, okay. So they stitched me up. They, um, uh, they ended up, I walked down the hall, got an x-ray, came back. You should have seen the guys on the bench just like look around. They're like, oh my God, what a crazy guy. But I just loved it. I just loved the whole thing. Like, you know, and the best is I got $38,000 worth of teeth and they, 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 they stay white. So yeah, it's great. That's good. <laughs> no, Drink all great. the coffee you want. <laughs> oh, it's great. No, it's, 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 
I do miss I do miss the the guys in the room. I do miss the feeling of stepping on the ice and playing for your for your colors and your your, your uh, logo. I I do miss playoffs in Montreal was amazing. Uh, I know we had oh um, would have been the first or second year. I think it might have been the second year that we were last in the league, mm-hmm. and then in December or January and we ended up getting a playoff spot with either last game of the season or the the, the game before yeah. uh, one before last and we ended up losing to Vancouver four straight but we were just exhausted but it's funny how St. Louis ended up just doing it last yeah. year right yep and they were last place in January and ended up winning the whole thing so it's pretty remarkable like we, I, I know we were very, very, very exhausted once we, uh, once the you won the regulars, you, you made playoffs with one game left, and you're just like, oh. but it, it's it's amazing what they did, for sure. I know it's tough. No, I I think that was kind of the the naysayers cry across St. Louis for last year when the playoffs were getting ready to start was well, hey, the last time they did this, they got swept in the first round, so. Um, everybody remembered that pretty well, but, but I wanted to ask you about that team in particular. Um, you guys had a lot of standout players on that team. I mean, yourself included, but, uh, Chris Mason in goal and, uh, you know, you had the young guys up front, uh, who, and of course, Barrett Jackman leading the way defensively. Um, who was it to you that you look back at that team and you say, that was our best player. Does, does anybody stand out? To be honest, I think we all, I think we all kind of, kind of, we're all together. That's that's the one thing that was very special about that. We all hung out together. We all, uh, after practice, went out for for uh, lunch. It was a very very tight knit uh, group. Um, it was, oh, it was an amazing year. Amazing year. I'm gonna say with Barrett Jackman back there leading the. Um, the back end, um, uh, Walt there, right? He was mm-hmm. he was up there. What was it? I can't remember. What year was it? Was it? Oh, it might have been the that might have been the first year, and then the second year. Well, which one was it? I played two years. It there. was the first year. It was the first year. That was the first 2008, year. 2009. Yeah, because I remember the second year, Walt. Um, he ended up blocking a shot with his face his last game right and from tj yoshi no it ended up going in the net right he, he tipped oh it yeah yep in the net and i remember us going back in the dressing room and he was like getting stitched up and he was gonna come and so everyone's just like why why would you come just stay here enjoy <laughs> enjoy it so he's like yeah i'm, I'm not coming <laughs> yep yeah he but, uh yeah. i remember that very well because i remember christopher Hue was in net and uh even after the goal went in he's pointing down and saying hey somebody get out here i think this guy's really hurt and uh, uh you know kachuk went his whole career without getting any teeth knocked out and it's just like one of his last games that finally happened. <laughs> I, I always tell the guys on uh, on my team, uh, I teach a youth team. I always tell, say that Walt all the time used to say, "Hey guys, there's a party in front. Come join me." <laughs> because that, that's what it was. He would just he would just set up shop 
right? Once he gets there, uh, you couldn't move him. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, um, so, so a big play that I wanted to talk to you about with your career in St. Louis. And we talked about this a little bit before we get started here. I'm going to pull up a video here of, uh, somebody still, people still talk about this. And I told you that before we even, uh, um, uh, when I told my co-host that you were coming on for an interview, uh, one of them said, Oh, Mike, big check Weaver. It's just funny because you think of all the things in major NHL career and, that's the one fans remember, and, and uh, for those of you watching the YouTube video or Facebook video, you're seeing the, the clip right now of that big hit. Uh, definitely not your typical game, Mike. Uh, that's got to be kind of weird for you, right? I mean, uh, you weren't really known for, for big hits. Now let's break this play down a little bit. You, you obviously saw an opportunity to come across and hit him. Uh, did you know that you were probably going to be jumped by one of his teammates, and, and were you kind of prepared for a fight? Well, I, I, yeah, I, I wasn't known for big hits, but big hits, I, I, I've, had, I've had a few in my career. And it's all about with me, it's all about timing. And, and when, when he was coming up and I was, I was going back frontwards, I'm like, this guy's cutting, cutting uh, to the middle. And I just had a feeling he was going to cut, cut to the middle. And it's funny. I, I kind of I kind of laugh at the the um, um, the guys speaking right after. It's like, oh, he left his feet. He left yeah. his feet. And I'm like, no, I didn't leave my feet. It, it was when when you when you're exploding up. When I hit him, I I left my feet from there. But yeah, it was it was yeah, totally. I remember it was was it that summer I ended up going to a wedding and Sharpie was there too. Yep. So I think that's I, I think I heard that story. Yeah, I I, I remember walk, walking walking uh, up to him. I'm like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's pretty good. good. No, for sure, because that's that's the one thing that's special about hockey. You go in and 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 how how tough the the Stanley Cup is. You you go in blood, sweat, and tears trying to go and win that thing, and the the handshake uh, at the end of uh, every series uh, is just a special thing to experience. The uh, the passion and everything is is there, but the guys are are doing that respect factor. It's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. So even with hockey hockey guys, look at look at the the fighters in the league. They'll go and fight, and then all of a sudden have a beer with the guy after. So it's it's all about it's all about respect, and that that's one thing that our, our game has is that respect factor. Yeah. So uh, again, you uh, well something. So again, you weren't a goal scorer, but I do want to ask you: you did score one goal with the St. Louis Blues. Do you have any recollection of that goal? Who was against? When it was? Anything like that? I like to say I remember every one of my goals. Yeah, I don't. I I didn't get a lot of. I, I don't put an S on that because <laughs> there's not too many. I think it's like nine goals that I something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I probably I probably uh, was trying to dump it in and it, and it hit about three people before it went in. Well, you probably have a goal right now. Uh no, unfortunately, I don't have it uh, on video. But uh, it was against the New York Rangers in March of 2010. I could not find the video anywhere, so I was really hoping that you would have a recollection of it. But uh, unfortunately, okay. I, hey, that's, I, I, that's I, nine big goals you scored. That's more goals in the NHL you scored than I did. 
<laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It, it's yeah, I, I really didn't. I, it's funny. My first goal, I didn't even know how to celebrate. I don't, I don't have a celebration. So, <laughs> so when was your first goal? Uh, well, it would have been with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can't remember. I remember, I remember scoring in playoffs against uh, Berdur. That's um, pretty good. Yeah, I ended up scoring, and uh, he got pulled. So I'm pretty sure the coaches are just like, if we were to score on you, we're pulling you. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's not such uh, a good feeling. I've been there before. I remember I scored in a in a high school game, and they pulled the goalie after I scored. I'm like, oh, what does that say about me? That's not good. <laughs> You know what's funny? Um, uh, when we played in Sweden against the uh, Red Wings, mm-hmm. I remember that it was a the game before there was exhibition games against local teams. Mm-hmm. We ended up playing this one team, and we're on the penalty kill, and. I ended up blocking a shot and I ended up going on a breakaway and I looked behind wow. me, Coco, Koliakovo is right beside me. So two <laughs> de- defensemen on basically a breakaway. So I ended up doing a pretty sick move and I never got a shot off. So <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I was going to say, both of you guys probably felt lost out there. Like, what? what's going on here? Oh, Coco, I should have gave it to him. He probably would have scored. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, Did you guys it's, end up winning uh, that game? Oh, yeah. We, we, we won that game for sure. Okay, we ended well, up that's all that matters. Well, both of them. We ended up being Detroit. That would have been the year that we came um, – because we ended up losing so bad for about two months, three months straight. Like we won, yeah. lost almost every game, and I'm telling you, it was it was the whole it was the whole flight uh, going there, the time change and everything. It really screwed me up too. Mm, I can imagine. But, yeah, I've heard other players talk about that, how tough that can be, and how the NHL should give you guys like a full week to prepare back. And they probably gave you what four or five days. Yeah, but I think we needed about two months. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's probably right. Um, so again, you left the blues in, uh, in August of 2010 for Florida. Again, we talked about how you led the team and block shots for many years, but, um, you kind of became a staple there on the defense there in Florida, um, wore an A for that team while you were there and, uh, moved on to Montreal. So, uh, and again, in Montreal, it was, uh, in your fourth season with the Panthers, uh, that you got traded there. Um, what was there had to be quite the difference playing in Florida versus playing in Montreal in terms of fan support, in terms of maybe the, even just the coaching staff, the support you get from ownership. Uh, what was that change like for you? Well, a lot, of, a lot of players love playing in Florida because it's kind of cool. You're able to go on the ice and, and go for practice and then come back and play with your son in the street in shorts. Mm-hmm. So it's it has a really good lifestyle there but when i got traded to montreal it was crazy my twitter went from 2000 up to 40000 in in a span of like a day it was <laughs> it was crazy so yeah it was it was night and day it was when when i was skating in florida 
was one thing, but when I was skating in Montreal with every stride I took, I felt so exhausted. My legs were, uh, my first game, I was exhausted, the, the most tired I've ever been. And it was just, a, I felt the whole weight of their whole history on my back. It was, mm. it was pretty, it was a pretty amazing experience. But yeah, playing in, in Montreal, it was, it was amazing. And every place that we played, because of such a storied history and storied franchise, they, they have fans everywhere. So every place that you played, almost there was just as many uh, away fans as home fans. Um, so you, you grew up a Maple Leafs fan, correct? No. Oh, my God. Come on. No? Oh, come no, on. What you, were you? You know what I call the Maple Leaf fans? I call them uh, next year fans. They'll be good next year. <laughs> That's right. That's what you say about Blues fans. Yeah. Uh, so who was your team growing up? I was, I was a Gretzky fan. Well, okay. Right. I, I didn't really have, uh, the, obviously skill wise with the hands, but, uh, whatever team he was on, I kind of followed him. So I didn't really have kind of my own team that I, that I liked. I was, uh, but I, I kind of followed where he went. So for three months, you were a blues fan. That's good to know. Yeah, I was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah. No, no. Uh, I, was, I wanted. So then I wanted to ask you then. Um, uh, have, have you ever met Wayne Gretzky? Have you? Um, and and if you yeah. did, I mean, what was that like for you? I'm sure you were a little starstruck. Yeah. Um, it was. He was. He was coaching the Coyotes mm. then. So I remember we ended up beating them, and we're walking out and. Uh, Wayner was just right in front of me. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, that's Wayne Gretzky. I'm like, I gotta <laughs> So I, I said, I said, I'm like, hey, sorry to bother you, Wayne. I'm like, uh, do you mind uh uh you mind uh signing signing something for me? Um no, no, I didn't even even ask for an autograph. I asked him like, hey, I just wanted to I just wanted to meet you and say uh uh honor. And he's just like he took the time to to uh Yes, just say hi and said I played a great game, which was pretty cool. So yeah, so, that's uh, cool. that reminds me. I, I'll, I'll tell my quick ring, Wayne Gretzky story. I met him one time. Uh, so he has a house here in St. Louis. So back when I was in the media, I was walking down the the bowels of well Enterprise Center now, but Scott Trade back then, and I was looking down at some notes, and I just happened to look up, and I see Wayne Gretzky walking the other way. And I, I just stopped and stared at him. I, I don't get starstruck. I've met a lot of my childhood idols and, you know, just kind of told myself, hey, you know what, they're just people like you. But Wayne Gretzky was a different story. So I, uh, I looked up and I saw him and I just stone cold stared at him. And he looks up at me and he goes, how's it going? And I go, uh, good. <laughs> and he kind of gave me a funny look and he goes, all right, we'll have a good one. And he just kept walking. I'm like, and then as he walked away, I, I, I just watched him walk. And I'm like, he probably thinks I'm the biggest creep. But then I thought, you know, I'm sure that's not the first time that's happened to him. Well, I, I had the same thing with Marty Howe too. Uh, oh, Marty, Howe was, Marty Howe was my assistant coach uh, with the Chicago Wolves. And uh, Gordy would uh, from time to time stop on by. And um, yeah, it was, it was, pretty cool uh, yeah so <laughs> uh well i wanted to talk to you so again you retired in october 2015 and um you started up a, a company which 
I think is extremely interesting. And, and definitely anybody who coaches uh, will want to hear this. And really anybody who plays any sport or has kids that play sports. Uh, you uh, you started up CoachThem.com. What can you tell me about Coach Them? Well, it, so I started DefenseFirst.com. So Defense First was my, is my hockey school. And I just felt I, – I, I really felt the need to go and take my, my knowledge in the game and how I thought the game and try and uh, pass it on to youth players. So when I was going and designing the drills for the camp, I found it was very, very tedious to draw a drill. So I'd be drawing a drill and then writing out the description and then drawing another drill and writing out the description. I'm like, well, if I wanted to go and move that drill over here, I would have to go and re- redraw it again, or I would have to cut and paste. And I was just like, it got to a point where it just there, it wasn't, it wasn't efficient. It didn't make sense. So I, I looked forever trying to find a good app, nothing. There really wasn't anything out there. So when I went to Florida Panthers, the goalie coach, Rob Tallis, said he's like there's got to be a better way here he's just like we're in the nhl and we're using still paper and pencil so i set out i didn't want to go and get a plug-in i didn't want i and this is before really all the web apps were like we we're, we've been developing this for a, a probably about five years six years and the the web apps were, were coming out but you know in the last couple of years the web apps have really come out but this is this is pretty cool. Like so, we're as a coach, you're able to digitally draw your drill using. Doesn't matter if you're going a Windows computer, Mac computer, Linux, even going to an iPad using a digital pencil, and you're able to. Once you have your drill done, it's there for life, and you're easily able by with one click, add your drill to your practice plan and share it. So it's something that I'm honored for uh i'm honored to be a part of it i'm honored to that i was able to come up with how simple the um the site is and i'm just i'm just i'm just amazed every day of all the kid all the the coaches that go and say thank you so much what a great platform so it's pretty cool and um, in my post career, I, I'm able to, with my hockey school, uh, be able to help out the youth hockey, uh, uh, the students and the players of the game. But now with Coach Dam, I'm able to um, be able to help the coaches help the youth. No, that's and that's fantastic. I uh, again, I told you before we got started here that I used to do some uh, coaching for the high school team uh, that I went to, and they uh, it it would be so bad because we'd get on the rink and there would be no chalkboards or anything. I'd have a notepad and I would just be drawing on the notepad, holding it up, and okay, oh wait, you know, let me let me change this and scratching stuff out. It made no sense. I know the players are sitting there going what the hell is he talking about? So uh, a platform like that is something that I think is, is very needed. And this isn't just for hockey either, right? This is for, for all sports. Well, we have lacrosse out. We're going to be doing other sports. We have a big update coming out here in the next little bit, but we've, we've, um, we've partnered with the NHL coaches association. So we did all their drills last year and this year. And we partnered with Minnesota hockey 
and we have two big bodies that are going to be coming on. Um, also, the German um, Hockey um, Federation. So we have a lot of big. We have over eight thousand coaches, and um, it's something that it's especially with all everything that's going on. And there was a break, and everybody staying at home. A lot of coaches are just like, oh, I've been meaning to sign up, so I'll sign up. And they created a whole bunch of drills and. We've surpassed 100,000 drills uh, just uh, the last uh, week. So wow. it's pretty special, something that we've uh, created. And, and yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been fun. And, and we wanted to price it pretty cheap. So it's $60 a year for coaches. And wow. if an association comes on, it's $100 per team, which includes four coaches. So for the amount of money that we spend on ice, it's crazy. So my, my, my bill for, for ice was like, 35 uh, no $25,000 for for my son's team. So for an extra $25,100 is pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's not Stay bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um so uh if anybody is interested in in uh checking this out, where can they find it online and where can they get more information? Yeah, so coach them, coach them.com. It's simple. Just sign up for a free account and go and draw a drill. Or uh, if you sign up for the pro uh, accounts, upgraded for 60 bucks, it's you see over, we're getting close to 300 drills that you could see in the marketplace, which are free drills for you. And you're, it's pretty cool. You're able to hop on with your other friends that are coaches and share drills right within the account. So being able to create your practice plan with your personal drills, your marketplace drills, your shared drills. If you're part of an association, like we have a couple big associations in um, Toronto that have like um, 30, 40, 50 teams that they all get all their top coaches to share their drills with the association. So it's, it's pretty cool. It brings everything uh, together. I'm trying to go and eliminate paper, trying to eliminate uh, the complexities in a coach creating drills uh so it's something that i think it's it's a really good thing and check it out and then my hockey school defense first d-e-f-e-n-c-e-f-i-r-s-t.com you can go, uh, go and we have right now I, I don't think any of you you guys in the states are able to come over to canada just yet not yet but yeah, but when it's when it's open, we have um, I teach kids all from all over the world. Uh, we have kids coming from Sweden, uh, Denmark, uh, Russia, and they come for me to teach the thinking part of the game. I got a really cool way of teaching it, and would love to teach uh, any of your listeners uh, in the next uh, few years. Yeah, for sure. And you said that's defense first, and that's defense with a C, correct? You could you could you could go. I have both of them. I have defense okay. with an if they wanted to do that too. But it's I know it, it kind of sucks on Instagram and Twitter because I have to have both handles and <laughs> it's, it's very annoying. I know. No, I know. I hey, and I'll just say that I think you guys spell it correctly up north. So uh, good, good on good on the Canadians for spelling it correctly. Well, we uh, invented the. So. <laughs> There you go. That's what it is. <laughs> Mike Weaver, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on. I want to go ahead and uh, give you personally, if there's any social media accounts you want to tell people how they can uh, uh, find you and interact with you. Yeah, well, Mike Weaver underscore 43. Um, I'm trying to 
trying to post as very cool stuff that I'm doing. Um, but uh, I love the interactions with the fans. I love, I love, uh, yeah, I, to be honest, I miss the game of hockey, but I love what I'm doing for the game of hockey now. Now, any way we can stay involved. I mean, like I said, when I was a young man, I, I found out, yeah, you're not going to be good enough to play in the NHL, but I want to still be involved in the sport. So media was the route I went, and it's always interesting to hear how uh, professional guys like you have uh, moved on to other ways of being a big part of the sport still, even after your playing days. So um, always appreciated for for people who are still learning the game to be able to get that insight from people like you and, and other uh, coaches we've had on the show that used to play in the NHL. And one of the things with my hockey school, I always like to uh, say, I usually have about a 45 minute chat with all the kids every day. And I talk about how hockey re- relates to real life, the pressures involved with hockey. But I, I, I just want to finish off here by talking about how, how silly the game of hockey that we play. There's this, there's this little rubber thing on the ice we call a puck, and we got five guys on each team chasing it around with these little, little sticks, right? Then you got this guy on, on the bench, we call a coach, yelling and screaming at all these, these five guys from different backgrounds, possibly different languages, different upbringings, and they have to go, and it doesn't matter where you come from, a hockey player is a hockey player. And it, 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 you got to take what that coach, which you could call your boss, uh, is saying, and they got to come together to come up with a way of putting that puck past a guy standing there with pillows, as we call pads, <laughs> and we're trying to put in this little mesh thing. Like it's it's kind of silly the game of we we play, but I like to remind our our players that you could relate everything in a game to the real life, right? Um, there's always somebody that's going to be challenging you for that puck. There's always somebody that is it's it's either you or him that's going to get it, right? Just like in real life, it's or you or that other person is going to get the job. It's you or that other person that's going to go and hand in a better a project or, or, or uh, get that sale of that house. So it's, it's, you got to think of, of life uh, as a game. Um, I, I, I relate with a lot of the kids. I talk about how um, I, I'm dating myself, but Nintendo, right? The little, <laughs> the, 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 the Mario brothers. So you go and you have the Mario brothers that they're jumping uh, over over these uh, evil guys, right, and and trying to jump over and get mushrooms and, and and everything, but but at the end of the day, there's always that tough level, right? That tough level that you can't get by. Now, a lot of kids get frustrated in life when and they almost they can't deal with it, but you got to think of life as a game. So if you go back to the game and you're trying to get by this level, what do you do? Well, a kid's going to go and try and try and try and try different solutions to a problem that he's having. And eventually he's going to win it and he's going to be the best thing ever. Well, that's life. You're going to be thrown. You got to think of everything that you're doing. It's levels in a game. So you're going to go through and you're not going to, you might not be able to beat it then, 
Well, you just got to find another way to do it. Just kind of like how my career was, right? So you got to relate, like the, even sports, you could relate this to other sports, soccer, everything. It's, it's, it's silly games we play, that, but, but it really goes and teaches you life lessons in, in, in life. And, it, and I could relate every single game situations that hap, happen in there. Somebody gets injured. Well, what is what happens? Well, the other the rest of the team stay, uh, pick pick their game up to make up for that person being injured, right? So there, there's there's things that you know. Look around, right? Look around and and recognize that life is a lesson, and you're gonna you're gonna get lessons throughout your whole entire life. And uh, there's people that that stand up, and there's people that that um, that don't, and. Um, and the last thing I'm going to say is, you know how many times after I retired that people would come up and they'll be talking to me. They don't even think I play in the NHL because I'm 5'9", small guy. And when they find out they play in the, I play in the NHL and, they, and they, they're like, oh, um, oh, I could have made it, but. I'm like, but? I'm like, but did you make it in the NHL? They're like, no, but, but. I'm like, well, did you or not? They're like, well, I would have, but, but I'm like, okay, so you didn't, but you're saying that you, that, that you could have, but you didn't. So basically I would, I would say that there's people, there's, there's wanters and there's doers in life, right? The wanters, right? There's lots of wanters out there, but there's only a few doers and the doers are the ones that are going to get that job position. They're going to get that raise. They're the, they're the ones that are going to, in, in, in this time of, that that thing I, I don't even like even saying the c word anymore mm. but 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 it's it's that little t- right now it's it's out of this there's going to be people that have created amazing things and there's going to be people that are just going to go back to their job that they hate and it's right now you got choices so that's uh very very good advice from uh from you mike i appreciate it i'm sure the listeners uh, a lot of them can definitely agree with a lot of what you said. So thank you very much for everything you said there. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And, uh, yeah, good luck all the way with Coach Them and Defense First. Uh, definitely two great things to check out if you're a coach or a player. Uh, Mike Weaver, thank you very much for joining the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Of course. Hey, listeners, this is Brandon Bullock. I know, I know, I'm a former Chicago Blackhawk, but I grew up in St. Charles, and I'm a St. Louis in at heart. My wife and I recently co-founded Dana Eve, a health and fitness company that offers convenient workouts for anyone, anytime, anywhere. My wife is also a former athlete. She played Division I college soccer and is now a certified personal trainer. Upon founding this business, we adopted the motto, you can change your life in less than 30 minutes a day. After years of constant wear and tear from her sport, Dana developed her own method of training, the DE method, which was designed to go where you go. Using your own body weight along with our Anywhere Gym, Dana will help you achieve lasting fitness in mind, body, and spirit, whether on the move or in the comfort of your own home. Visit www.danaeve.com to start your free trial. That's D-A-N-N-A-H-E-V-E.com. And here is the future segment of the Let's Go Blues Radio Past to the Future. And uh, this is Jeff, and I am with friend of the show now, I think we can say, Greg Boyson of the Hockey Writers, uh, credentialed AHL writer with the Chicago Wolves and Rockford Ice Hogs. Uh, Greg, uh, at this point, I said before, I think 
you have become a co-host at this point. So thanks for joining me. Not a problem. Uh, I never dreamed I would be a unofficial co-host of a St. Louis Blues podcast in my career, but uh, here we are. Well, yeah, you know, life takes some crazy turns. I'm sure Braden Bullock never thought he'd be a Blackhawk. Yeah, this is true. You do, you do, <laughs> you take the work as you can get it. <laughs> That's right. That's the way I see it too. Uh, so today, uh, Greg and I are going to be talking about uh, Blues prospect Tanner Caspic. Uh, Tanner is a 2016 fourth round selection for the Blues, 119th overall. He is from the Brandon Weekings in uh, Brandon on, I'm sorry, Brandon Manitoba, and uh, 22 years old. He's a center. He was a captain. Um, for the Wheat Kings in 2017-2018 before being traded to the Victoria Royals. He now has spent two years with the San Antonio Rampage. Uh, Rookie season put up eight points in 46 games. 2019-20 put up uh, 14 points in 59 games and a 33 penalty minutes to go along with that as well as a plus six. So uh, he's been known, when he was drafted at least, Known as a guy that uh, is kind of a quick skater, plays a bit of an edge, and uh, he kind of projects to be probably at best a bottom six forward. But uh, let me get your opinion here, Greg. Is that a reasonable projection for Tanner Kaspic? Yeah, I think his his ceiling is pretty much a, a fourth liner, penalty kill kind of guy. Um, you know, he's not a offensive threat by any sense of the imagination. Um, he's a good skater. He, he can, um, you know, he, he's a good skater. He, he did those last couple years in the WHL. He was averaging, you know, a point per game, but junior stats are so misleading. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's all offense out there. I mean, Dave Boland was a huge goal scorer when he played in the juniors, and that was far from his, uh, you know, Forte in the pros. So but he's a good skater. He's very good at the faceoffs, and he does his best work on the ice when he doesn't have the puck. So he's definitely that type of guy you can bring in and play some, you know, some tough defensive zone starts in a close game and feel comfortable with him on the ice. Yeah, I uh, was reading a little bit more of his uh, draft profile, and there was a lot of talk of him kind of being a special teams guy. So in uh, in juniors, he was a uh, a power play and a penalty kill guy. Seems like he's not getting the power play time as much when he's in San Antonio or was in San Antonio. But um, it seems like he's still kind of known for, for penalty killing. And he had a little bit of a scoring touch shorthanded. Um, have you seen any kind of good offensive rushes from him shorthanded? Or is he a guy that's just a utility guy you plugged in? to be on your penalty kill and get the puck out? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, he's going to become, like, a Michael Grabner type where, you know, he's going to – that's that's his thing. But he definitely can. I mean, as I said, he's got the skating ability to where, you know, if he's in the right position, he can definitely beat uh, a defenseman down the ice and, and have a scoring opportunity. Um, but I don't think that's what he's out there looking to do. When he's on the PK, he's more of just, you know, uh, getting in the passing and shooting lanes and getting the puck out of the zone. But he has that ability where if the, uh, you know, opportunity presents itself, he may be able to cash in a time or two. But that's certainly not his first objective while he's out there. 
So uh, we've talked to, me and you specifically, have talked about many players in the AHL that are considered Blues prospects at this point. Um, one that we didn't talk about, Alexei Toropchenko, he's in there. But uh, Austin Pagansky, uh, let's see, Clem Costin, uh, and yeah, I mean, there's a couple other guys that uh, we've talked about uh, kind of briefly. But uh, where does he fit kind of in the Blues depth chart? Like if there's going to be a call-up, uh, let's say a Blues bottom six player gets hurt, uh, do you think he's somebody they consider to call up and play a game? Um, possibly. Um, as I said, he's – if you know you're only going to use him, you need a guy that can play somewhere in the 7 to 11 minutes of a game where you can, you know, get some – good defensive minutes and he can win, he can win face off. So, um, you know, if you've got your fourth line center, you know, out for a game or two and you only need him for a little bit. Yeah. I could see him getting a call up. I mean, he's definitely not going to be the guy you bring up, you know, uh, to bring in some, to get the offense going. Um, but, it, but he's a responsible player. He plays a little bit of energy. You know, he, he, uh, you know, you can't, knock him for his, uh, you know, quote-unquote compete level. He's always playing hard. Um, he is a little bit physical, so I don't think uh, he would back down from anybody who maybe want to get in his face. But, um, you know, is he is he the top of the, that organizational depth, ch- depth chart? No, but he's definitely, if the situation presents itself where you're needed, defensively responsible forward that can eat up some minutes, uh you know, on that bottom six, then I could see him getting getting a chance, and he could he could hold his own. I'm gonna throw a little bit of a curveball at you. Uh, we're gonna look at um, some players that uh, recent passed from the Blues and from the Blackhawks because I know that's the team you are most com- uh, familiar with. And uh, I want to ask you, who is a good comparable? So I'm gonna list off some names here and tell me if any of these guys are a comparable in skill set to. Mr. Tanner Kaspik, uh, Steve Ott, Jacob Delarose, Chris Thorburn, Mackenzie McEckern, and then for the Blackhawks, Andrew Shaw, Ben Smith, uh, Andrew Desjardins, and Jeremy Morin. Um, you know, I think he's most in line with like the Mackenzie McEckern and Ben Smith type player. Okay. Um, you know, Jeremy Morin was was a goal scorer in the AHL that never transferred. I mean, I can, we can do a whole episode on how Joel Quinville and the Blackhawks ruined his career. Um, (laughs) I mean, I've, I've talked to him uh, at scouting events and he, he even admits it, that, that it it got in his head and that's, that's what cost him. But, and he's only 27. He turned 20. I'm sorry, getting off track. That's okay. That's quite (laughs) all right. The other day I was like, how is he only 27? But Definitely, like the Keckern and the Ben Smith mold is probably more his line. We're not a you know not a guy that you're ever going to depend on to lead an offense. But you know, hey, every once in a while he may score a big goal. But when he's on the ice, you're not worried about uh, you know too many pucks getting in your own net. Would you say that maybe his ceiling would be like an Andrew Shaw? Hmm. Like if he were to just bust out, is he the same type of player, or uh, is he kind of no, more? No, I don't think he's as big of an agitator as an Andrew Shaw. I mean, that's Shaw's biggest skill set, uh, as far as you know. He's more of the get under your skin, you know, with Steve Ott type. Um, I don't think he's tech that kind of guy, though. He he's not uh, he's not afraid to 
you know, to, to do that, but that's not really his thing. Um, and Andrew Shaw, um, not the best defensive player in the world either. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's a, the right comp. Um, you know, and Andrew Shaw has got a couple of 20 goal seasons in the NHL. I don't, I don't see that happening with Caspic. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much again, Greg, for joining us for the 28th, 29th time, I think at this point, um, really appreciate it. And, uh, go ahead and give our listeners one more reminder how they can find you on social media, um, as well as where they can find your work online. Yeah, you can just follow me over at Greg Boyson. That's B-O-I-S-E-N on Twitter for all my hockey and random thoughts. You know, hopefully one day there'll be more hockey thoughts to throw out there. It's kind of been strange the last, I don't know, feels like decades since we've had yes. live hockey. And then uh, you can head on over to thehockeywriters.com to check out all uh, my stuff over there. I've been doing the daily today in hockey history posts, so every – Every day there's uh, some good stuff going up there, uh, you know, about everything that's happened in the past. And that's kind of a fun way, since we have no live hockey going on right now, it's, it's a fun way to kind of relive some of those uh, names and, and plays from years past. Um, so in terms of Blackhawks prospects, since I've had you on here so long talking about Blues prospects, um, kind of what you've seen either in the AHL or maybe what you've heard coming from juniors, um, who's the big guy that Blues fans need to be watching out in terms of Blackhawks prospects? Well, I mean, Kirby Doc is – I still consider him a prospect, obviously. I think he's going to be their, their – they're looking for him to be the next, you know, Jonathan Taves. Um, but I think that's an unfair comparison. Um, they're not the same type of player. But that's what they want him to be. They want him to be that cornerstone center. And I think – Everything goes right. He could be. He is super talented. I mean, he does things on his feet and with his hands that guys his size just shouldn't be able to do. Um, and I think as the season wore on and he got more comfortable, you saw a little bit more of that. Um, while he never really produced the points you wanted to see, and a lot of that had to do with just you know how he was used and who he was playing with, um, he never looked overwhelmed. And for a teenager in the NHL to never really look out of place is impressive. Hmm. Um, so he's one of their top guys. Um, you know, Adam Boquist, who spent a lot of time with them this year, you know, he could be a dynamic player on the back end for years to come. Um, he definitely needs to improve defensively, um, you know, but there was a guy named Eric Carlson that that was his knock for years. And, you know, that worked out pretty well for him. I'm not saying he's going to be an Eric Carlson, but the potential to be that type of defenseman is there. Um, so those are those are two of their their big guys. And you know, Rockford didn't have a ton of uh, NHL talent down there. Um, most of the guys that were down there got called up. So um, you know, the prospect pool for the Hawks is a little. Um, it needs some help, um, and you know that's got a lot to do with their current management situation, you know, they just fired their, their team president. They want to bring in, you know, their Madonna was a marketing guy. They want to bring in a hockey guy now. Um, and a lot of people are speculating that that could spell the end for Stan Bowman, um, who, you know, his draft record is not spectacular, but it's not terrible. Um, you know, I think he's if you if you line him up with everybody else as far as hits and misses, he's probably right around the league average. 
Um, his biggest issue, as far as I'm concerned, has been the patience and the development. Because if you look, he's traded away every single one of his first round draft picks up until 2017. You know, he just seems to just wants to, he doesn't have the patience, you know, trading Doki Haru last year for Alex Nylander. I mean, that, that's a fireable offense right there. Um, mm. He should have been launched into the center of the sun the second he even asked to make that trade, but that's just me. So as far as, you know, I think a lot of the Hawks' top talent is still um, a couple years away. They've got some guys in juniors and in and, and college that could be um, contributing soon. But, you know, as far as the next season – um, you know, uh, as I mentioned, Doc Boquist are probably the top two prospects. Nicholas Bodine, another defender, is a guy you'll probably hear a lot of. And then they've got some grinder types. You know, Mackenzie Entwistle is a is a kid that they got from Arizona in the Hosa contract deal. He could be, you know, that power forward, bottom six player too in the future if everything goes that way. And um, so. You know, most of their top prospects right now are defensemen, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, well, again, thank you for coming on, Greg. And, and again, we'll probably have you on. Maybe we'll have you on before a Blues-Blackhawks game sometime during the season, whenever that happens. Uh, but thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, I again, want to thank Mike and Greg for coming on. And, uh, of course, folks, uh, we're going to wrap up here by talking about what you can find over at letsgoblues.com. So first of all, letsgoblues.com slash radio is where you can find all of our shows. Any links that might be discussed during these interviews are posted with each uh, 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 episode's page, if you will. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Uh, and then letsgoblues.com slash shop is where you can find all the shirts and stickers. And I probably don't say this enough, but uh, if you are interested in a jersey, and again, the Let's Go Blues Radio jerseys, uh, can be found on our social media channels if you want to see what those look like. Uh, make sure you just contact me personally, and uh, we can work through it. jponder94 at gmail.com. You can also tweet me or send me a Twitter message, uh, or a, a direct message, I guess is what they call it, uh, at jponder94, and uh, we will get you all squared away with a Let's Go Blues radio jersey. And I will say I've worn one on the rink a couple times. It's a beaut, folks. It's it's a good-looking jersey. I'm loving the way it looks, and uh, I it kind of matches my ensemble. Um, unintentionally, I've got a yellow helmet. Yes, I'm one of those guys that wears a colored helmet. And uh, uh, blue gloves and, and blue pants and roller and blue pants and ice hockey. So um, it's uh, just kind of been, you know, kind of a nice little... Uh, ensemble that I have going when I hit the rink with that jersey. So, again, uh, if you're interested, jponder94 at gmail.com. Twitter handles for the show, already mentioned mine, jponder94. The show Twitter, at LGB Radio. Kurt Price is at Kurt Price. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. And, of course, you uh, should check us out all the social media channels. We are on Facebook at Let's Go Blues page. And then uh, Instagram, we are LGB Radio, much like we are on Twitter. So make sure you check us out wherever you uh, get your social media fix. And again, I always say this every week. Next show, folks, just stay tuned. We don't know yet if we'll have a live show next week. Again, it depends on any news that might break. Uh, but we do. Uh, we we will continue to have shows no matter what. It's just a matter of if is it a past the future episode with just me and a guest, or is it going to be me, Kurt, and Bill doing our usual live shows? Um, I got a couple interviews lined up. So uh, if we do do another 
past the future next week uh we will have a couple great guests that uh i've got lined up for this so i'm pretty excited about it um and again as i said last week hopefully there's only a few of these left because we need to get some hockey we all need hockey right now good lord well that will conclude today's show i want to thank everybody for listening and again thanks to mike and greg for coming on the show on behalf of bill day and kirk price i am jeff ponder and let's go blues uh the chiefs are at home tonight against cyanosport at the war memorial at eight good seats are still available i think that went very well thank you for listening to let's go blues radio now take off hosers well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. Louis Blues, St. Louis Blues, have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun, they're on their way to number one, now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The Blues are on the ice tonight again, they're rough and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friends.